Welcome to Pierce Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Rolando. And we're on episode 188. Yeah. The update episode. That's right. We're updating. We're updating you with what's happening with reselling. In our own lives. In our own lives. And the world beyond. That's right. It's like the beginning of our news or reseller topic segment. Yeah. You call I wonder it if we should switch it, it up. Should we switch it up someday? I don't want to switch it up today. But maybe we should switch it up sometime. Just just switch it up. But I wonder what, if what we, is it and what are we switching? No, I, why? If we did bolos at the beginning, would people just turn it us turn us off after the bolos? No, man. Our content is okay. you know it's not just <laughs> bolos people I'm want. Just, I'm just checking. No, I know our listeners are our hustlers. They're not just here for the free info. So, and we don't have our our private Discord set up yet. So you know. All right. Anyways. Uh. All right. Hey, what's going on with you? Um, man. You know, I mean, things have been good. Uh, been busy in like life just in general. Uh, but, uh, you know, reselling has been actually really good. We've been getting a lot of sales. In fact, uh, I was teaching today. I'm teaching at the office where we keep all of our inventory. So my wife's been really great. She comes in and, and does a lot of the shipments and stuff while I'm, you know, in the process of teaching. Uh, so it's cool. I get to see her. So anyways, I saw her walking out today with like so many packages. And luckily I was right in between classes. So I was able to run and help her carry out these packages. But like, as I'm carrying out like nine packages, I'm like, man, this is awesome. Like, it's great that we're, you know, we're getting all these sales, sales are coming in. And a big part of that has just been the consistency of listing. We've been doing a lot more listing, uh, listing consistently, getting through our death piles. Um, and because of that, those sales are really starting to come in. Um, and the other thing I'm kind of surprised with is the number of people that I meet, you know, just around and about that I find out actually resell. Like maybe not like mm. full-timer as much as I do, uh, but I was just over at friend's house. I mean, I guess we could say friends are they're they're people that we know, they're acquaintances and um, you know, you know, like how it is like when you first start to become friends with people, it's like, hey, let's have, have you over for dinner type of a thing. Um, and so like, we're just in the middle of chatting and then come to find out like, Hey, they sell on eBay, Oh, really? you know? And so okay. it's like, Oh really? And it's like, they're not as big, you know, into selling as we are, but it's like, yeah, you know, my wife, she sells some stuff on Poshmark and she, we just started eBay like a month ago. And so it's really cool to see like how many people are out there that resell that you don't even realize. Like, it's, I think it really is becoming, um, you know, more and more of a thing. And, Maybe that's not a good thing in the sense that people feel like they have to find ways to make more money. Oh, yeah, you know, it's a tough yeah, situation. Yeah. Uh, but it's cool that reselling is is something that people can turn to and look to, uh, and it's really helpful. So, um, you know, it's encouraging to see other people doing it and finding success in it, and then just seeing me like when they ask like, "Well, how are you guys doing?" It's like, well, actually, like, the last few weeks have been really good for us. So, um, it's been it's been nice. I mean, staying busy, busy teaching, busy reselling, busy doing you know life, but. Uh, but can't complain when sales are coming in. What about you? You know, it's been an interesting. I mean, it's it's only been like a week since our last update because we had our live episode. And so, you know, it it's some of the same old, same old. But there's been some interesting moments in the sense that it feels different than it has in the past. So, for example, at this time around, I'm scanning everything and I'm trying to find what's a good RA item to send into Amazon, right, to do some FBA. And I am finding, and I say this every year, but every year it, it's getting worse. Like I'll find an item and I'll have like maybe 10 people on the listing. I'm like, oh, like the other day I, I found something at an off price store. It was selling for under $10. You could flip it for close to 30 and it was super low rank. So I actually, you know, I bought it in this. I didn't buy it in the store yet. I listed it on Amazon and it sold by the time I was checking out. I'm like, sweet, right? Because I'm trying to get my merchant fulfilled numbers up so I can qualify. 
And then a few days later, I go to that listing and I find the same item and I'm going to list again. And I it literally jumped from 10 to like 60 people on it. Mm. And I'm like, what is like this is this is crazy because this is September. We're not even in October. We're not even November. I haven't seen a lot of YouTube videos about, you know, retail arbitrage. But what I have seen in the reselling community is the growth of discord groups. Mm. I've seen a lot of and you could also call them bolo groups. But I, I've seen a lot of them. So, you know, what you see is normally on social media. And I'm not saying anything negative against it. You know, it helps a lot of people. We know some major resellers that I know hustle like crazy, but they have found it that it just makes things easier to be just part of a group instead of going out there trying to scan. But they have admitted, though, that their best items have been things they have found themselves while scanning. And that's been my experience, too. I, I'll, I'll get a tip from somebody and they're like, hey, check this item out. And by the time I go and actually buy that item, there's a ton of people already on that listing. But if I find something on my own, usually it's kind of quiet for a while until somebody else, you know, finds it and they share on these groups. Because part of the requirements for some of these Discord and Bolo groups is not only do you pay, but you also have to contribute to the group, right? So if you imagine there's 100 people in a group, 100 people are finding items and they're sharing within that group, right? So it exponentially grows. And then depending on whether people want to get on that listing, you quickly can go from 10 to 20 to 30 people on the listing. So I'm not frustrated. It just tells me I just got to up my game a little bit more. I get, I have to probably find different stores because uh, there have been some go-to stores that have been able to hit the last three years that have been really great for retail arbitrage for Q4. And right now I'm kind of... I'm I'm a little concerned. I, I did pick up some software to do some searches for me for items. And I, I, I find the same thing. Like I find a really awesome item on the software and then I go and look for it. And yeah, it's, there's a ton of people on the listing, you know, it's, it's hard to find. And I'm like, this is get this is getting really intense. So we'll see what happens with that. I still believe it's going to be a great Q4. I just think it's going to just, you know, be something I have to pivot about. Uh, the other thing I've been trying to grow eBay and, you know, isn't there like a limit to how many days until something becomes a habit? What What is the day? Is it like 30 days, 60 days? Is that, is that all like folklore? Here's what I, I've, I've heard different things. It seems like bad habits uh, tend to tend to happen faster than good habits. But I, I heard something recently that kind of stuck out to me and it was essentially like a tree that's just a sapling. Right. You can easily like <laughs> bend super it. Philosopher language here. A tree that's just a sapling, like you can easily uproot it or bend it. Um, but then after it's been rooted for 20 years, it's like impossible to get rid of. Or same thing with a stream, like a stream starts really narrow and like a person can walk over it. But by the time it like reaches the end, like the mouth of the river, it's massive and boats can be on it. Right. Like, and it's the same with habits. So even if you could say like a number, like habit forms in 14 days or 30 days, the reality is um, the longer a habit is in place, the more solid it's going to be. So 30 days might be like, it's technically a habit, but at a year, it's a more entrenched, more powerful habit, right? So habits, both good and bad, grow with you. So I wouldn't be too concerned about the number of days, but okay. consistency over time. The only reason I ask is because I have forced myself to list every single day. And I've been transparent with you guys that I sometimes go days without listing. I, I, I make enough where I can always pay the bills and a little more. And on top of that... My lifestyle is at a very low level. Like, you know, my rent is nice. I don't pay a lot in groceries. I have other bills that, you know, I've reduced to, you know, kind of just what I need. 
And I'm not a, uh, well, I don't know. I, I'm building a collection of certain <laughs> apparel now because I guess I'm reliving my teenage years. But for the most part, I, I don't spend a lot of money. And so it's been easy to be a seller full time because I have all that in place. I, you know, got a savings and all that good stuff. But I, I was able to get away with, you know, I could go a week without listening sometimes. I could go three days. But this last, I would say, month and a half, I've committed to every day I'm going to list at least five, which is sad. And then I went to 10 and then I went to 15. And usually I've been listing about 10 to 15 every day. Uh, sometimes it's the end of the day. Sometimes it's throughout the day. I, I don't have a set time. And maybe that's part of my problem. I, I just I don't like I don't I don't know. I don't like putting myself into some kind of, hey, this is what your schedule must be. Probably not a good thing. I'm not saying that follow my example. I'm just remember our podcast is a documenting podcast. We are not gurus. So I just want to clarify that there. And so I've been consistent and I'm seeing consistent sales. But the funny thing is, it's not consistent every day. I, I, so some days I've had really good days. I'm like, man, if I keep doing this, every day will be like this. And even though this is my third year full time, my, I don't know, eight, 10th year doing eBay, there is no exact formula to getting more sales every day. There just isn't, right? Because you have the other you know, circumstances that run into this, the algorithm, which is real. Buyers, what are they in the mood for? The economy, do you have the right items? There's so many different factors. But the guarantee is, though, if you consistently list, there will be sales. May not be the same every day, but you will have sales every day. So I don't know. It's been it's been like a pat on, you know, I, I want to pat myself on the back for consistently listing. The question now is, how is this going to look in Q4? Like I told you before, I stocked up on a bunch of inventory that I have not listed so I can continue listing but not have to source once I start doing a ton of Amazon. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes when we get to there. So all right, how about random stories for you? Um. Okay, so... Uh, this isn't like a like a super entertaining random story, like okay. I found something at a, a store or anything like that. But uh, kind of just just a reminder of how great reselling is for my family. Um, my wife's grandpa isn't doing super well right now, and so uh, like a week ago, a little over a week ago, uh, she went to Florida and she was able to take my son to Florida with her, and she went for about a week. Um, and during that time, like we had extended handling time on our store so that I could kind of keep up with. Uh, you know, the sales while she was gone. And I just think like I was the other day thinking if she was still working, she wouldn't have been able to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. And even while she went on this trip to see her grandpa, um, we were still getting sales. We were still making money. Maybe the sales were a little bit less because we had a little bit, you know, of an extended handling time. But the fact that we were still able to make money and she was able, she had the freedom to be able to do something that had she been working the nine to five, she wouldn't have been able to do, right? Those are memories that reselling has opened up the door for. And so just kind of being very grateful for that. And then um, kind of along those lines, so my son was gone with her for like a week, so I didn't have him around. And it was, you know, a bit of a bummer uh, not being able to see my wife and see my son, but I'm happy for them that they, they get to see your grandpa. Uh, but then uh, on Saturday, it was like, all right, it's time to go sourcing. Um, and my son, like, I'm getting ready. I get up early, you know, and he gets up early too. Uh, and he comes and he crawls into bed and um, he knows I'm going to leave. He's like, I'm going to go bye-bye. And he's like, take me to the park. Take me to the park. And so I was like, all right, 
I'm not going sourcing. There's no way that I'm going to be able to find anything at a garage sale more valuable than than being able to take my son to the park. So we went and we got donuts and we went to the park and I gave up a day of sourcing. So just to think like reselling has allowed my wife to take, you know, a big trip to not have to work, to be home with my son and has also allowed the freedom of we can kind of work as much as we want to. Like that's the beauty of it. If we needed the money, if it was like right now we are struggling, we need to, you know, be bringing in extra money. I could go out and source more. I can come into the office and list more. But if you don't need that, and if you're at a place where you're comfortable and it's doing what you need it to do, you don't have to work any harder. And there's not many jobs that are like that where you're actually paid. And it's not really a commission in a sense, but in some ways it is. If you're willing to work harder, you can make more money. And if you're happy with where you're at, you can enjoy that time. And, and the flexibility that that allowed, um, just, I, I was just thinking the gratitude of the last couple of weeks uh, for my wife. And then for me, you know, it's reselling has really allowed so many opportunities. So it was a, it was a good weekend, even thinking like, man, I didn't go to garage sales on Saturday, but reselling has allowed me to spend this time with my son and have the money to not have to worry about. I have to work every single Saturday. So yeah, it's pretty cool. No, that's great. And, and and that's one of the things I love about reselling. You know, a lot of people are like, hey, I can't wait to be full time. But there's advantages to, to part time reselling. I actually think life is easier when you resell part time. Right. Because you could do that. Like you could say, hey, I'm going to go to the park. I don't need a source. Right. And you can do that when you're full time, too. I mean, it, it's doable. You just got to be at a certain place as far as your inventory and your systems and so on. But it, it is nice. It is nice. So I agree with you. I mean, I even think I'm even thinking now the other day, you know, I had put this up on Instagram. I went to the zoo with my son and I didn't have to stress about one finances, which was kind of nice Two, I didn't have to stress about, oh, man, I didn't get enough listed today. I don't have enough inventory. Like I didn't have to worry about any of those things. And, you know, there was a time back in the day where I was paycheck to paycheck. I didn't do reselling and reselling kind of destroyed all that. Like, I don't think I'll ever be back to paycheck to paycheck ever again, even full time. And even on the slow days on reselling, when you when you've done reselling long enough, the slow days don't bother you because you're like, hey, things are going to pick up again. I just got to hustle a little bit more. So it's good. All right. So I got I got some I got some random story. So one's kind of a, a reseller topic, but it's it's related to my story. So last week or maybe a week or uh, two weeks ago, uh, there's a shirt that sold in the vintage, you know, space of you have these t-shirts from the nineties, right? The vintage t-shirt space, the all over prints. I don't know. I don't know. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Right. It, they're, they're big. Like they, they, it is the next level. Rally Roots has done videos on those. They're getting into that game. Uh, and there's a bunch of other people that are, are moving in on that. And vintage t-shirts have always been a thing. And the, the market goes up and down. Like there, there was a time I would say 10 years ago where the market was in a different place and then it jumped and then it dropped and then it jumped and it dropped. And again, now shirts that were selling for a lot of money in early June aren't selling for as much money now. And it's already it's only September. It hasn't been that much time. But there was a shirt that sold for six thousand dollars. It was an Aladdin T-shirt. You can check it out if you type in six thousand dollars for an Aladdin T-shirt and a bunch of stories will come up. You can avoid the Wall Street Journal paywall by Googling it and make sure that you read it the first time you pop it up, because after a while you lose it. Uh, and this was by uh, Chris Fernandez, and he is on Instagram. I'm just gonna shout him out. And usually we do hustle of the week, but you know, I thought I thought why not? <laughs> why not talk about this right now? A 1980 something co a company, and so basically they run auctions. And I think you have to, you know, pay to get into the auction, and then you can bid on shirts. But here's the crazy: I just saw another shirt. I think that sold for like 6k. 
And, and these are shirts that when I grew up, like people were just wearing for nothing. Like, right. They just, they had them, they threw them away. They got stains on them. They didn't care. And now they're major money. Like one of the shirts on this new story is a shirt from the movie rounders. And that shirt sold for 2,200 bucks. Right. And you know, I'm showing Mike the shirt. Like this is a shirt that like people would have worn and no one would have thought about. Right. And I wonder right now, what are those shirts? Right. Is it those political shirts that are out there right now? Right. Is it the controversial ones? Is it, is it, you know, movies that, you know, like for instance, I think of Black Panther, unfortunately, you know, he died, right? The, the actor died, but you know, Black Panther will be something that was a great movie. And then 20 years from now, are those shirts that people had bought that were like target shirts or were Walmart shirts going to be worth a lot of money? Like, like, I don't know. So it opened my eyes to going back to t-shirts because for a long time I had gone away from t-shirts. Like I don't even, I don't even like give it a second look. And by the way, it's Chadwick Boseman. I want to throw it out there. <laughs> I, I was struggling with his name. So very tragic story. So when I go to garage sales now, you know, I, I'm very, very much about, I'm just going to pick up what I know. Right. And you've talked about in the podcast before how, you know, it's good to be naive, to be curious, but I, I stopped doing that. And then these last two garage sales have been terrible. Like these last two Saturdays, just, just bad. Nothing's out there. I don't know what's going on. I went to a community garage sale with 35 garage sales and I picked up four items. I mean, I literally, I took out a ton of money. I thought I was going to spend all of it. I spent $8, $8. But here's the, here's the story. I shared this on Instagram. So I, I kind of, you know, I, I'm looking for shirts now, right? Because I'm like, hey, I wonder what are the odds of finding one of these shirts? Because honestly, all the thrift stores I've gone to, all the garage sales I've gone to, I am 100% sure I have come across these shirts that are worth a lot of money. But since I'm not looking for it, I'm not looking for it. So I'm not going to pick it up. So I get to this garage sale and on one, there's one on one side of the street and there's one on the other side of the street and it's on a cul-de-sac. So I had the option of driving or walking to the garage sale across the street. Well, for a reason, I decided to walk. I should have taken my car because what happened, the other guy at this garage sale got in his car and literally got there like two seconds before me. And I'm watching him kneel down and there's these two shirts that are just sitting there. Now, these shirts, no big deal. Like they, they, they don't look like anything special. I don't know a lot about T-shirts. And they were both Bugs Bunny, like Looney Tunes shirts, which if you know anything like Looney Tunes stuff does not sell. Mm. Well, until now. But for a while, it didn't. I mean, I've sold a Space Jam shirt for 80 bucks that I picked up at for $3 at Goodwill. I've done that before. But I haven't really, really had great luck with Looney Tunes stuff. And usually Disney sells really well. So I look and I look at the prints and I'm like, huh, this looks like the kind of shirts I'm, I'm reading about. This kind of shirts I'm seeing on social media that's going for big money. Uh, yeah, I'm interested. Well, the guy picked up the shirt that was on top. Like that looked really nice. And I was like, oh, okay. I might as well look at, well, might as well look at the other shirt. Right. I look at it. The brand is wild oats, which what, what is that? Like I, for me, I, I'm ignorant. So I didn't know. And it's, it has bugs bunny all over it and it's single stitch. I noticed it's single stitch. So a way to tell if a shirt is vintage It's not a guarantee, but it's one way. And I look it up and sure enough, this shirt, the last one sold for around $70 on eBay nice. and they're only selling them for a dollar. So I'm like, ah, like what about the other shirts? 
So I actually, I, I, I did not leave that garage until I saw that guy buy that other shirt. So I paid my dollar and I bought that shirt and I bought something else. And I walk away and I, 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 I follow him to the next garage. So I'm like, hey, man, you want to sell your shirt? I always lose. Like my negotiation tactics when it comes to other resellers is just garbage. Garbage. Because he's like, well, how much were you thinking on the shirt? I'm like, five bucks? Because I don't know if he knows the value. He's like, nah. I'm like, how about 10 bucks? And I think by the time I said $10, I think he knew something was up. Right? Because why did I jump from five to 10? Why didn't I go two, three, four? He's like, no, nah, it's a nice shirt. I'll keep it. I'm like, ah. So I was really disappointed. One of the first times in a long time that I had like anxiety about missing out on something. You ever have those feelings? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it goes away after a while, right? After reselling for a little bit, you're like, oh, the next deal will show up. But this was like my first vintage tea in a long time that was valuable. Anyways, long story short. So this shirt. Yeah, it's, it, you know, it has value to it. Instantly after I posted on Instagram, on, in our stories, you saw the feed. If you follow us on Instagram, you know, I was getting offers. I got an offer of 80. I got another offer of 80. But, you know, just like Craigslist and just like OfferUp, Instagram has flakes too. Like, I also wonder how many of these vintage tea auctions, like people actually come through and pay. I'm sure a lot of them do, but I'm sure a lot of them don't. Uh, so I listed it high on eBay. And then now I've been looking up these vintage teas. I'm like, this is crazy like some of the stuff i'm looking up is like i ha i know somebody that wore that shirt i i had that shirt i saw a 49ers one where it was just it said 49ers and it was a like five diamond rings and it just had a diamond really cheesy shirt like i had it in the 90s but it wasn't cool like i didn't think it was cool let's go like for 75 bucks like why are we reliving the 90s is that what's going on here yeah that's part of it and then part of it too is just um you know it's supply and demand right so the reason why vintage stuff oftentimes becomes more valuable is because there's just fewer of them in circulation that are of decent quality, right? So, you know, if it's something people are looking for and they want, you know, that one, not a, a repop of it. Uh, but what I would say for you, a uh, suggestion is next time you're in a situation where, and here I am schooling you, okay? Um, <laughs> next time you're in a situation where you're trying to negotiate with another reseller and you say, how about five? And they say, no and you realize you've lost the negotiation, just say, man, you won't take 500 and just start walking away and just see. <laughs> I don't know if that's a tip or that's just strolling. Well, you know, and then they'll be like, wait, wait, wait. And be like, no, it's fine. And then you could just leave. And then when they realize they can only sell it for like 70 or 80, they'll be like, I could have sold. So you just, you just move. And then when you feel bad that you missed picking it up, you could just know they feel worse because they think that they, you know. It's true that they missed out on the, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> The, the part that bothered me was I wonder if the other shirt was more valuable, right? But I didn't spend, I, I didn't get to look at it. I just saw him pick it up and like I looked at the shirt. But from now on, I'm looking more closely at stuff. Well, that and, and it's funny because before this podcast, you had already mentioned that story to me a little bit. Um, and you made the comment like you should have, you should have gotten your car and drove instead of walking. But I just think like you also could have left your house. 10 seconds earlier, right? Like you can oh, all, no. the point I'm trying to make is you no, can always play the what you, if game. You're right. No, here's the other thing. You know what kills me too? I could have taken a toll road to this location, but I have avoid tools on my Google map. And so I lost 10 minutes too. Yeah, I, but, I honestly could have made it 10 minutes earlier. Yeah. But, but again, same thing. You could have set your alarm 10 minutes earlier. No, you're you right. Have, you know, you are right. There, and the point I'm trying to make is not to like judge you saying you, 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 you made a mistake 
The thing is, I think a lot of people will blame themselves and they'll say, I should have done this. I should have done that. But the reality is there's, you can go back as far back as you want and there's going to be one little thing that could have changed everything. Right. And you just kind of got to look at a situation and say, I did the best I could in the situation and maybe I missed this one, but being maybe you got to another sale earlier, you know, because you did a different route. Like you can never play the game of I should have done now, unless you know, I slept in or I didn't go garage selling and it was a great day or I didn't go to Target to do, you know, retail arbitrage today and they were running a sale that I didn't know about and I missed out and it was a one day. You know, if that, then maybe you could have said like, oh, I shouldn't have been lazy, but you can't blame yourself for walking instead of getting in your car. No. And the other truth is that there were 35 locations mm -hmm. and I purposely chose the lo middle location to get started on my journey. And so, you know, I could have chosen a different one and it probably ended up there earlier. Like, who who knows? And there were actually other resellers that were leaving that location when I showed up that didn't see the shirt either. So, yeah, I mean, in this in this case, uh, thanks for making me feel better, Mike. I appreciate that. Yeah, trying to. So, all right. I got some more. You got, you got any more? Oh, man. Well, garage sales, fake stuff. Again, I was going to buy a pair of sandals. They were like Tory Burch. And I was like, hey, would you be willing to do 20? And these were some that sold for 100. She's like, sure, no problem. And then the other lady goes, are you going to tell them? And I'm like, what? What do you mean are you going to tell them? And she's like, well, I need to tell you that these are fake. I'm like, what? You're selling fake stuff? She's like, yeah, but, you know, it's all good. I mean, I got a little bit of trouble in Poshmark, but I'm okay. And, you know, I, I sold these and she was showing me all this other stuff that was fake. And I was like, are you for real? Like this, this was so wild. Like I understand people sell counterfeit goods, but the fact that she was so open about like all her stuff in front of her was all fake. It's probably better that way. I, I guess so. But you're committing a crime. Are you? Yeah. Counterfeit stuff is, is a crime. Well, but I mean, okay. So if you're the one, you know, going out and, and making it or, or trying to sell like that. But if you've got something in your house, let's say you bought something that was a fake, a knockoff, right? I bought a fake Louis Vuitton purse because I didn't want to spend the money on a real one. And it's a garage sale and I want to sell this purse. And it's like, hey, I'll sell it to you for 20 bucks. It's a fake, just so you know, it's not real. Like, that's still a crime? I think it is. I, I There's a difference between bootleg. We talked about this bootleg and counterfeit, right? Bootleg is something that is not trying to copy. It's just... People adapted it and tried to make it their own creation. Now, you can get in trouble. Like with Nike, you could like use a cricket machine and you get the swoosh and you can put it like on a shirt. And it's okay if you do it for your own good. But if you try to sell it off to somebody else, that's when you get into like infringement issues. Yeah. I mean, the thing I, I just worry about is like, I mean, you're, you're probably right in some ways on that. I just think like, okay, how many times when you go into a Goodwill and you see the Louis Vuitton purses, right? You know, 90% of them are fake, right? Yeah. Yeah, true. They're not going and getting them checked. And, and they probably know too, which is why they're selling it for $40 instead of $300 or whatever. That is true. That's a good point. I don't know. So, I don't know why the store shall not be named does that because they are breaking the law. Yeah. I mean, I, they have the tool. They actually have the tools to like genuinely authenticate stuff. Do they? Yeah, we talked so, about so this like can, a year ago. So they, they have can, a device. So they can, they can offer like legitimate certificates of authenticity. Yes. Then why don't they? Great question. Great. We, you know, yeah, if anybody know. from the story. No, they do. I'm telling you, we did it. It's like podcast like 29 or something. It's like it's way back in the day. Uh, I'm telling you, I'm trying to look it up right now, but they do. 
And it's interesting that you bring that up because they they cannot they can definitely look right here. Here's a news story. January 11, 2019. Okay, so this is over a year ago. If you're buying luxury accessories secondhand, you want to be sure you're getting the real deal. And now the store that shall not be named wants to make sure you are. Thanks to new authentic authentication tools. The Orange County, California, based on profit, supports programs like job chain, blah, 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 blah. And my page is frozen. But <laughs> but it, it's it's true. Like they have this tool that they've been using. They, they know about it. Here it goes. Over the years, people that shop at, you know, the website have benefited from local communities, generous donations, blah, blah, blah. Senior director of online operations at, you know, sort of shall not be named.com. Send a statement with the entropy certificate of authenticity. Shoppers can feel confident about their transaction and great about themselves because their purchase benefits a store that shall not be named's mission to change lives through the power of work. They got it. Why aren't they using it? Just saying. Great point, Mike. Thank you for making that point. There we go. All right. All right. Are we ready for reseller topics? Is our sound going to show Yeah, but show before, up? don't you normally want to do us? Uh, do we want to do it? All right. Hey, by the way, if you have any chance, we drop a lot of this stuff on Instagram before we talk about it on the podcast. And sometimes we don't have time to share it on the podcast. So make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. We are Pearsall Podcast. On Twitter, we are Pearsall Cast. If you want to check us out on YouTube, it, make sure to hit that subscribe button on YouTube and that bell notification. You could always give us a call, 619-738-1170, 619-738-1170. And you could email us at purosapodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And I think we're I think we're due for another QA episode. Yeah. Let us know. If you got a question, call us call it in because um, you know, we can we can read your questions. We can read your hustle of the week. Uh, but you know how that goes. You've heard Mike what? trying to read Orlando's typing of the oh, hustle so now of the week. It on me. And no, I'm saying it's my reading um, of your typing. So, um, <laughs> and and it's not the same, right? Like I can't put the same emphasis and enthusiasm and and even like the right inflections to tell the story the way you can tell the story. So give us a call. Let us know your hustle of the week through voicemail or ask us your question. And it's just so much better uh, to hear from you instead of hearing Mike trying to butcher your Instagram name or whatever. So yeah, call us. I'm actually the one that butchers Instagram names. I've, I've Yeah, it's been pretty bad. All right. Well, Londa's like trying to like read, like, you know, new read license plates and you're like, what does that say? And you're like saying it out loud, like a hundred different ways before you finally get it. I know. I do that sometimes. Remember the, there was a game show like that. Do you remember that? Yeah. Like you had to read plates and stuff. So I thought those skills would kick in, but they didn't. All right. Hey, thank you so much for all the reviews on iTunes. Really helpful. And the donations and the shirts being purchased. And those of you that buy through our affiliates, really grateful for that. And uh, just appreciate all your support. So thank you. Yeah. All right. It means the world to us. But now, the moment you've all been waiting for. Orlando is going to tell us what is happening in the reselling world. Out on the streets, getting you the fresh information. Orlando, take it away. So this reseller topics, it's there's a lot of good tips in this one. I like that. not because of me. It's a lot, some of them came from other listeners that said, "Hey, Orlando, can you you just share this? Like, pay it forward, right? I mean, this is what this podcast is about is paying it forward. And you know, I love it when you guys send us you know donations or you know and somehow pay a, pay for a shirt, whatever it is. You're saying, "Hey, you've helped us out so much. We want to help others. We want to keep the podcast moving forward." You know, here's here's our money. Here's our review. Here's what it is, and so it's awesome when there are also ideas. 
when people do that. So uh, Greg Perry, one of our listeners, has sent this to me a while back, and I kept forgetting to put it on the podcast. I kept saying, hey, I'm going to share this. I'm going to share this. Uh, and I think it's it's a great tip. So, you know, we've talked about white backgrounds and how white backgrounds do affect the Google algorithm for search and the eBay algorithm for search. Right. It is is not a debate. It has been made clear by eBay and made clear by Google that the AI pushes things higher in search with clean white backgrounds. But the question is, what if you have an item that you need a black background for? Right. What if you have a clear vase? What if can you have a clear vase? Yeah. Something clear. Something like that. All right. Or what if you have something that's a white item, a white item. Right. And you need a black background. Well, he had this great idea. He he had mentioned it to me, and I'm just I'm just gonna throw it out there because it makes complete sense. There's various programs you can use Microsoft Paint to do this, which I haven't touched Paint in like 15 years. Yeah, who uses Microsoft Paint? Well, it, is that even still a thing? I don't know, but it's 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 available. Or I, you know, there's programs on on my phone that I can like, you know, usually you have to squ- everything has to be square when you take pictures, but if you can make the outside borders white. It counts. Hmm. Do you get what I'm saying? So it's kind of like, you know, let's say you have a big jacket, right? Well, it's going to take up pretty much most of If you have a big black puff coat, it's going to take up most of the picture. But you're still going to have that white background, right, that the algorithm is going to pick up. It's the same scenario. If you use a black background for something and you put a white border around it, the algorithm is going to catch that and push you in search. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a great tip. I'm like, this is yeah. If that works, if that works, I mean, um, I, 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 I want to be careful saying it unless we heard it like directly from eBay. But I think if people true, have true. anecdotal evidence that like the white border seems to help, um, I mean that's great because yeah, as far as th- as far as the system would know, like the item, and the only thing that worries me is clearly their system, the computer programs are are strong enough now that like even when you take a picture of something, it knows how to select the subject. Right. Mm-hmm. So then it sees the subject. And then if it sees everything around the subject. So if the majority of the what the subject is outside of it is black, does that still trigger the white algorithm? But if it's a simpler algorithm, if it's a simpler, like all it needs to be is just white around the edges, then yeah, I mean, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying, but it makes it makes sense to me. I mean, at least I, I'll feel better. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it does make sense to me. And, you know, adding to those tips. so. Bonanza and I have been going back and forth, hoping that Bonanza will sponsor us. And they've been looking into my store and they're giving me tips. And I appreciate that. Well, because I tried to contact somebody and I contacted them through customer service. But what was awesome about it is that they actually got back. They have great, like detailed info. Mm. And, you know, we talk about Bonanza. If you're not cross-posting Bonanza, you're missing out. It is the easiest. All you have to do is import your eBay listings and that's it. Forget about it. You're done. Okay, but here's, you know, there's something that for a while, like has bugged a lot of resellers and it's when eBay four or five years ago did this whole thing that you have to enter UPC for new items right now. Do you usually enter the UPCs or do you just put does not apply? Um, Well, what I will typically do, because we we talk a lot about doing sell similar, right? So if it's an item with a UPC, I'll scan it and then I'll do sell similar off of that. So it's already in there, right? I know the item that I'm doing a sell similar on. But what also if it's a different had, UPC? Will you just you'll just change it? Well, again, like if it's okay, for instance, if I'm selling, if I'm selling a, I don't know, a, a pack of of DVDs, right? A blank okay. pack of DVDs, and it's whatever the brand is, Memorex or whatever. 
It's got the UPC. It's a 25 pack. It's the same. I scan it and it brings up the exact same one that I've got in my hand. I'm going to do sell similar and it's already got that UPC in there. So it's probably going to be the same. Now, if it's if it's a different item completely, then yeah, then I've got to enter the UPC in. Uh, but I'll usually do, if it's that to that extent, I'll probably do does not apply. Okay. So sometimes I've been lazy and I'll just put does not apply. There's a lot of my listings that I did years ago that I just didn't update. I just put does not apply. I just didn't want to hassle with it. But it was interesting what Bonanza had messaged me because Bonanza, they do a lot of stuff through Google, like a lot. Like if you want to sell more on Bonanza, you can do, they have their promoted listings kind of deal where you pay for your items to get pushed out to more users. It's like pay-per-click or whatever it's called. And so they wrote me back and it was interesting. They said, if a seller does nothing but post an item for sale on Bonanza, that they still have a chance of selling they still have a chance of selling it because we pay to advertise all sellers items on Google shopping and our affiliates. So what they're saying is if you imported all your eBay listings, you still have a chance to sell it because we're still going to promote your item. Right. And, and it, Chris daily refinement has mentioned this in a video too, that the reason that eBay allows listings to go stale is they, they don't want to keep paying Google. Like Google is not going to put stuff in the search without eBay paying them to do that. Like you don't get free organic just searches, right? Especially when you're trying to get high in the search. So Bonanza is saying, hey, everything is going to be out there because we pay for it to be out there. But then they said, they were talking about my listings. They said, there are 117 listings you imported from eBay to Bonanza that are new and branded, right? So these are retail arbitrage items, but do not have a UPC. And then they put in questions, uh, in parentheses, a question, doesn't eBay require the UPC? I love this email. When new branded items are listed without a UPC, we try sending it to Google without the brand trait, and they may accept it for a while, but eventually it will be flagged. Here's a listing that made it through without a UPC as a generic brand. So they sent me some of my listings. I mean, it was a pretty detailed email. I'm impressed. Hats off to you, Bonanza. But I, I, I wonder if this applies across platforms. Like, does, does this is this why eBay was very big on like you need to have the UPC because it's not going to show up in Google search, right? So if somebody's looking for instance, you know, a black pair of a certain pair of Nike shoes, right? And you might have the listing on there. You might have the item specifics, but you don't put the UPC of that new unbox item. If for instance on Bonanza, it's just going to pull the listing because they're like, Hey, we're not going to pay for this. If there's no UPC and Google's not going to pick it up. As far as eBay goes, they may be doing the same thing. They're just not telling you about it. Like maybe Bonanza has been super transparent with me and saying, hey, this is the deal. So I thought it was, I thought it was pretty interesting. And so because then they said, I saw on your listings that you have attached images of the UPC to your listings. If you like to put that number in your listing traits, we can get keep those products advertised for you. And so they they sent me a list of all, they gave me a link to all my items. You can easily add them and save the changes. And so I don't know. I thought that was a great tip. Thank you, Bonanza, for the tip. Because maybe that wasn't super clear on the eBay side, but now it makes sense. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to enter the UPCs as much as I can for items that I never entered a UPC for. So anyways, that was good. Yeah, I like it. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. 
So Orlando and I are always looking out for tools and programs that can be used in our own reselling to help improve our sales uh, and things that we can share with the community in order to help others. Uh, And we've been lucky enough to partner with two companies here at the same time uh, that we think do just that. So it's kind of interesting because both of these companies are competition. So, uh, you know, but this is a good thing that we're advertising both, I feel, because we are really, really big on letting you make decisions and not saying like, this is the way you should do things because you know, you know, what's best for your model of selling and what you need to be doing. Uh, so we've been able to partner with list perfectly and Vindu. And both of these are programs that can be used to cross list postings on multiple platforms. This is great because we always talk about the importance of being on multiple platforms and not putting all of your eggs into one basket. But one of the barriers to that is the time issue. And the nice thing with List Perfectly and Vindu is it allows you to make one listing that then gets cross-posted to multiple platforms. So you're not having to post things multiple places and spend that time. And in this case, that time saved is money you're making. So both of these companies have a special offer for our listeners if you were to sign up. Um, you need to sign up using the affiliate links that we have in our descriptions or show descriptions in order to get the uh, promotional codes. Uh, so first of all is List Perfectly. They're giving 30% off your first month, which is amazing. And they've got some incredible things that they they offer. So uh, for instance, your postings go to eBay, they go to Mercari, Depop, Grail, Etsy, Poshmark. There's just so many. You got to check it out. There's almost too many to list here. Um, and so if you sign up, you get 30% off, but you have to use our... our link and then use the code LP30. And then the other one is Vindu. Vindu is very similar. Uh, You're going to get 25% off your first month if you use our affiliate link. You don't have to use a promo code. Just click on the link in the description. Uh, And your your listings are going to go to eBay. They're going to go to Etsy. They're going to go to Poshmark. They're going to go to Mercari. So this is just a great opportunity for you to save some time, get on multiple platforms, and maybe make some more money. Hey, everyone. Ever found yourself too busy to list or wanting to scale and not knowing how? Well, we've partnered with a great service called Sellhound. They will help you do much of the heavy lifting and can benefit your business in many ways. Sign up for listing services with Sellhound and receive 25% off your first purchase or 25% off your first month of a Sellhound monthly subscription. You can do this by using our promo code, all in caps, PureHustle25. That's the numbers, 25. By the way, everyone gets three free listings to try out before any purchases. Just go to Sellhound.com and subscribe using our promo code, Pure Hustle. 25. All right. Do you know there's an, you've been talking about managed payments and like how we're paying more. Mm-hmm. I found one. Ha. Told okay. you. All right. Now, eBay isn't doing anything sketch. This isn't something that they're hiding. It's not something that they didn't talk about. Is actually in the update. Right. And we've talked about this before. But that's the thing, though. So just to be just to be fair here, PayPal okay. wasn't lying either. They did it as part of their update that they were going to charge for. Right. So like you're upset when things are. Oh, man. You're, you coming, find you're it, going back to. Yes, I am. Well, yes. So like you get upset when something is what you see is unfair, even if it's in their policy. So you got to figure no, the same thing for eBay. The difference between eBay and PayPal is that eBay is charging me a fee for something that I've sold. Right. If if this item sold and I canceled it, eBay's gonna give me back my fee. PayPal is not gonna give me back my fee. There's the difference. PayPal is saying, haha, too bad. We're gonna keep this money anyways. eBay is saying, you know what, you didn't make the sale. We're not gonna steal from you. We're gonna give you back your money. There's a difference. Good riddance. All right. So international fee. 
Okay. There's an international fee. And I thought I could get away with this with GSP. I was like, Hey, I do eBay global shipping because here's the policy. And I posted this on Instagram. If you registered, if you, if your registered address is in the United States, we charge an international fee. If either the delivery address for the item is located outside of the U S or the buyer's registered address is outside the U S regardless of the delivery address for the item. Right. So there's that clause in there. So that throws global shipping. Cause I'm like, Hey, if I go to Kentucky with my item, no big deal. I don't have to pay this, but you have to pay this no matter what. So if you sell anything international, the fee above that is 1.65% of the total amount of the sale and is automatically deducted from yourself. So I did some looking in my seller hub and sure enough, it was there. Yeah, I bet you're going to end up paying more in fees because of that international charge than you paid on the, the than you lost in the PayPal return. <laughs> you're still on Team PayPal. I'm, I'm not on Team PayPal. I'm on Team. I want to pay the least amount of fees possible. And if the least amount of fees is, was through PayPal, then that's that's what I'm going to be happy with. I, I I think you're right because I have way more international sales than I have returns, returns or cancellations. So you're right. You're right. But it's in the writing. It's in the writing. So, you know, I had some listeners send this to me. And at first I was like, what? This is this is shady. This is wrong. But then I go, no, no, no. eBay is not going to just like not say anything about this. And sure enough, I mean, it, you have to. It wasn't it wasn't too hard to find. I just had to Google eBay managed payments. Then I had to go to the link of international sales. And it was right there. I just missed it. And maybe a lot of you knew about it. And I'm just, you know, late to the party. So. All right. I thought this was an interesting story. So we've been talking about the term scalpers, right? How that's a new word and it's becoming the new word more and more. And there is a crazy story. Okay. How many pronounce these? What what are these called? These uh, game, uh, these graphic cards? Navita. Navita. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I guess there's, there's bot wars that are happening. So, you know, people use bots to be able to get stuff before everybody else, which drives me crazy, but I get it. Like, it's just, it is what it is. Unfair advantage. You got to take them when you can get them. There you go. You just got to pay a lot more. Right. And, but what it's causing is people are building counter bots. So what they're doing is they're using these bots to bid up items. And so let me, let me read some of this so it makes sense. Bear with me. It's going to be a little bit. Last week, RTA- can you give us the uh, the the Spark Notes? I am. I, I will try. Okay, I will try. I'm not going to read the whole story. <laughs> like you can read the whole story, but uh, basically, last week there was a release of these RTX 380. Uh, what it was it? Nvidia. Nvidia. Nvidia GPU f- uh, fans by buying up all the graphic cards and attempting to resell them for hundreds of dollars more than the actual MSRP. So, what happened is, you know. People set their bots, right? And they're buying these and they're going to resell them for a lot of money. Okay. So what ended up happening is people started getting mad, right? So some people on eBay, right, were saying, hey, these are being listed and there's there's bids that are exceeding $10,000. And people are like, what is going on? Like these these were only like $1,500 when they dropped and now they're $10,000. And they said, but those ridiculously high bids might be the result of bots created by fed up potential buyers. After I wrote about who in the hell would buy RTX 3080 for $70,000, I quickly received dozens of, dozens of messages from people pointing me to a post on the Navita forums where a user claimed that they wrote a bot to inflate scalper prices. 
Which is why you shouldn't auction it and you should do buy it now. True. They say that actually. It's true. It's true. So basically they said, if this person was doing that, how many other people were doing the same thing and how far were they driving up the auction prices? So actually, you know, Gizmodo did a whole, like they checked it out. They went across and they found that they, yeah, indeed it was bots because most of the users were less than 10 feedback, right? They weren't buyers. They weren't sellers. They were just brand new accounts. They said among those 616 unique usernames, a little less than half of these unique bidders had feedback score of under 10. These low-ranking users made up 55% of all the bids, suggesting that the low-ranking users were disproportionately bidding on these graphic cards. Now, here's what's interesting. As an example, the auction was live Monday morning and had a total of, this is one seller, had a total of seven unique bidders. At the time we pulled this data, the highest bid was $50,000. And was a result of a few back and forth bidding wars between different bots, either at an automatic bid set by the user to raise the amount to a certain number using eBay's built-in system or a separate script that placed bids automatically, but try to look as if they were placed manually. You know, like I just, I'm sure they realized pretty quickly that this item that they've got listed and you know how it is when you're selling an item, it's, it's kind of time, like there's a time limit on it, right? Like when an item's hot, you got a bolo, you're wanting to get the most out of it. So if you somebody doesn't pay for an item, it kind of stinks because now you got to put it back up and hopefully it hasn't lost its status. They haven't, you know, it's no longer, you know, the hot item in demand. Uh, but imagine for even just a moment, the person selling this item like woke up and they're like $10,000. Like I'm going to make so much money on this. Like imagine being that reseller. Yeah. Well, here's where the shoe drops. Let me read where the shoe drops. So Without going through every single auction, it's hard to know how many automatic bids or bots are getting into bidding wars like this. And so basically, they talk about eBay's policies. But it's clear there's a huge chunk of people out there hoping to get these listings deleted and the sellers banned from eBay by inflating bid prices. eBay has a price against a policy against price gouging or offering items at a price higher than is considered fair or reasonable. And we've been talking about this. Like we, You got to be like, secondary vintage market, you're safe. But even still, it's auction. I don't think they have a, a stand for it. It's not like they're they're trying to sell it, buy it now for $20,000. It's an auction. People are yeah, choosing but look, what it's look, look what's happening. One seller sent me a screenshot of an email they received from eBay saying their account, which they first activated in March 2014, has been suspended permanently. We have reviewed the activity we have seen connected to your account. As a result, your account has been suspended because we believe this activity presents a risk to our eBay community. eBay's email started, this suspension is permanent It means you will not be able to participate in any buying or selling activities on eBay. In addition, any other accounts that that you own or associated with this account will also be suspended. The suspended seller told me they received about 100 messages from other eBay users ranging from you should be ashamed of of yourself to go go kill yourself or the latter type of message is definitely abusive. Anger directed towards scalpers trying to make a quick buck is not misplaced. Da-da-da-da-da. And this is one story. These are some angry gamers because that's who's buying these are gamers. And they're just upset that they didn't get the drop. I I get it. But what I'm saying is be careful because on Amazon too, it's the same deal. I've had like Under Armour apparel. Like I am the only seller and I'm only selling it for double the price. And Amazon will remove my listing and saying that I'm price gouging. Like this is where I'm telling you things are shifting. So, yeah, it, it'll last for a while until people realize they can't get anything and they'll be like, but I'd pay a little more, right? Like, I'm just, I just think of the Nintendo Switch is a perfect example. Yeah, it sucks that people who want to get a Nintendo Switch 
couldn't go out to the store and get one for the you know two ninety nine or whatever they cost. If they wanted one, they had to pay an extra hundred dollars on eBay or Amazon. That stinks, and it stinks that some people you know went and bought a whole bunch of them. But if you're a parent and you're like, you know what, I really want to get one for my kid. I'm okay with paying four hundred. Then you pay the four hundred. But if it's like eBay takes them all down, Amazon takes them all down. Sorry, now you can no longer get one, even if you have the money for it. I mean, that's not right. Like people will get fed up with that too. They'll they'll say, why why can't I buy these items? You know, why is Amazon telling me I can't spend my own money on an item if I want to, right? So yeah, you can be frustrated that items get pushed up, but the whole idea of price gouging for non-essential items. Yeah, I agree with you. I just, I'm just saying, be careful. Like yeah. I'd rather not play that game and keep my eBay and Amazon account in good standing. Right. It's, yeah. But where do you, I mean, where's the line? Like, are we just going to keep moving the, the Overton window on this? Are we going to say like, okay, so you're going to target and you're buying items and you're, you're, your markup is 60%, right? And you're actually end up making 20% after the fees and shipping and all that stuff. Are they going to say like, well, now that's too much. Like eventually, is it going to be to the point where nobody's going to be allowed to resell because they can't send in well, stuff I, I don't think it's I don't think it's going to be in the secondary market. I think it's going to be in the retail arbitrage Right. Market. Well, retail arbitrage. Right. Because somebody brought a good point. I, I like this point. You may disagree, but I thought it was a good point. Somebody had said, it's it's a good thing for the free market, if you're able to find something and somebody th that can have access to it, like they're in another part of the country or they have a certain store and you pay double the price, like that's okay. Like for instance, I have some Amazon reviews, some items I sold this summer that I sold for, I, I had very marked up prices, but I actually had messages that said fair price. I'm glad I was able to get this item. Da, 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 da. But if you're, if you're doing that locally, right, you're buying out everything locally and then you're reselling locally that's where people get, you know, get judged. <laughs> That's where I'm not saying right or wrong. It's it's more of a PR thing. Right? I know I know for me like I I'm careful about what I post on social media because not only cuz of the podcast, but because here's the thing. Right now we're in a place I think in our country where <laughs> the free market is is under attack. Like the, the idea of hey, you provide a benefit and service and somebody comes to you and says, that's not fair. Well, how do you define what is fair? Right? Fair is such a subjective word. All right. But if you provide something for somebody else that can have access to it, or it costs you a little bit more, right? You had to go to the store. You had to pack it. You had to ship it. You had to get up early. You had to do all these things. All that should be factored into your cost. Right? And so this is where the free market should reign. Yeah. Yeah. The free market's a beautiful thing. And I'm sorry. Every, anybody who says... And and the reality is like people will make these kinds of claims, right? Like, sure, they'll say that about a Nintendo Switch. They'll say that about hand sanitizer. They'll say whatever the, the situation is, you shouldn't be able to charge this much. But I can go to McDonald's and get a 99 cent like junk hamburger. It doesn't exist anymore. It's a dollar sixty nine yes. now. Inflation is that? kicking. They're saying ten dollars in five years. Um, or I can go to like a five star restaurant. And I can get a hamburger and I can spend $40, $50 on it, right? You can go to a place and get a steak for 10 or 15 bucks, or you can go somewhere and pay $90 for a steak. And it's right? worth the 90 bucks. Sometimes it is, right? And so who are you to say, you know what? Um, a steak can only cost $15. That's the max you can charge for a steak. Well, if you've got the money and you want to spend more and you want to get something maybe a little higher quality or yeah, maybe not everybody can afford to go get the steak at this moment. But the fact that there is there are people who can 
and there are people who want to. And if you've saved up and you've paid off your debt and you want to go do that, same thing with cars. Like everybody is okay with the idea of like, I want to be able to have a nice car and I've drove a junker until I could afford to buy a nice car. Well, if you were to say, well, you can only charge this much for a car. Well, companies are going to stop making nice cars and nobody wants to live in a society where everything is the bare minimum. Right. And so we talked about this with the hand sanitizer, right? Like you, the, the fact that they sold out everywhere caused now you can't walk into a store without just seeing hand sanitizer everywhere. Right. <laughs> it's 30 different brands, is. gallons. Like you can go into a Costco but now that, uh, sorry to cut you off, but I want to reinforce, like you were right. The moment you said this back in February, mm -hmm. you said this, you said as a result of the shortage, Companies are going to get on board and they're going to mass produce. And then it drives the price down. That's it. The, the market will always correct itself. <laughs> yes. And and there might be a short period of time, a few weeks, months, where the market is a little bit out of whack because there's a higher demand than there is supply. But you can't. So, for instance, there's a high demand on these NVIDIA um, uh, graphics cards right now. And so what's going to happen? Well, the company is going to make more or a competitor is going to come in and say, holy cow, like we could charge more than this company was making if we make something a little bit better and let's make more of them. And next thing you know, they have so many they can't sell them and the price goes down. I mean, that's why you can get a phone now with smaller components and better cameras because there's this competition of we need to provide the best at the cheapest price. Now, if you were to say you can only a company, a phone company can only charge $200 for a cell phone because that's what's fair. You would have a, 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 a junky cell phone. Right. But it's because people will say, well, I'm willing to pay a little bit more. So companies are willing to put out something a little bit better. And then they have to get that price as low as possible to actually be competitive. I mean, it all evens out. So people might feel like, hey, it's unfair in the moment. But what it really is is selfishness. It's them saying, I want to be able to get what I want at a price that I wanted at. And I don't care about anybody else. Right. Because eventually that market is going to correct itself. There's either going to be more of them or there'll never be enough of them. And the price should is going to be higher, right? Just like those vintage shirts. If you want that vintage shirt, there's not very many of them. You're going to have to pay more for it. That's just the way it goes. And if anybody were to say like, you can only charge $20 for a, a shirt that's more than five years old. I mean, that's, that's not fair to the whole idea of like, I don't know. It just, it frustrates me that people feel like they can judge somebody for doing that. Now, yeah, it stinks if you're the one that wants to get that. Man, bots. I mean, I've wanted to go to Comic Con for years and oh, years yeah. and years. And it sells out, right? Like it sells out instantly. And it's you can't money get it. to go. Yeah. And it's hard to go. And and so, but I don't complain because some people are able to get it on faster. They have a faster computer. Maybe, maybe that's part of the ticket price. I'm only willing to spend a certain amount. If somebody else is willing to have 10 of their friends stay up later and they're all paying extra money for faster internet so they can get in they were willing to pay more for that ticket than I was. That's fair. They deserve to go more. That's just the way it is. Welcome to the Milton Friedman podcast. That's right. <laughs> Sorry. I, okay. We, we've got too long. Anyways, be aware. Just be careful with retail arbitrage. Yeah. It's a thing. Angry Mike came out today. Sorry. <laughs> All right. No, but, you, but you're right. Like, I, I mean, it, it, it's interesting because sanitizer, like, you, like it's, it is everywhere like every they're not gonna be they're gonna clearance all that out yep like it's it's crazy all right Whew. okay so i uh, wanted to share two more things i'm gonna skip a couple of things here <laughs> hey so i'm not saying this is a great tool but it works for me so i had talked about before about router excel like when i do garage sales i try to plan out and i try to do like the shortest route so i'm spending less gas and i'm getting to garage sales faster and 
Route XL, it's weird. It's like a European company. You have to pay like five euros or whatever. And I was like, I don't want to pay this. Like, you know, because I was trying to go to 35 garage sales, but I wanted to get there faster. Maybe I shouldn't share this because this is my unfair advantage, but we're about giving free content here. So I I Googled like, what is the best way to find the shortest route? And, you know, on Google Maps, you can do that, but it won't, it won't automate it for you. Like it won't automatically, unless I'm wrong, let me know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I feel bad sharing this, but this is what the comments are for. Okay. So I, I found MapQuest. Do you remember MapQuest? Yeah, I mean, that's the only way you'd go anywhere back in the day. You MapQuested, you printed it out, and you stuck it in your in the seat next to you. So MapQuest is still around. Hmm. So I went on MapQuest, and it only allows you to put up to 20, but it doesn't charge anything. And then what you can do is you do the 20, and then from where you ended, you just put, you start again and do your other 20. Hmm. Right. And so on there, it gave me the ability to reroute everything and it could reroute it live while I'm entering the addresses. Or you can put them all in and you can either choose shortest distance or shortest time. Right. And it was really cool. Like, it, and it was super fast, literally took me five to 10 minutes. And I'm like, this is pretty awesome. But I have a feeling I'm missing something with Google, but I, I, I researched it on Google and there's no way for it to do that. Am I missing something? Yeah, I don't know. I, I couldn't really figure out how to do it on Google either. But one nice thing that Google has, um, which I'm sure MapQuest and stuff can probably do too. Again, I didn't know that was still a thing. Uh, but <laughs> I, I like I like when you're traveling, right? You're going somewhere and you've got a start and end location and you can search along route. That's always nice because you can say, what yeah. are the thrift stores along mm-hmm. the route, right? So um, different tools for different things. And so, yeah, I think um, the route Excel is, is great. But you can only do up to, I think, 10 mm-hmm. on there. And so this is a good alternative, right? So MapQuest free. There you go. Give it a shot. And you know what? You know, maybe your old Yahoo or AOL account will be beneficial at some point. You know, we'll realize like we're missing chat rooms or something like <laughs> vintage. It's the thing. MapQuest, we're bringing it back. You cracked me up the other day. I, I helped my buddy sell something and I was the whole year I was sending him money. So it wasn't like consignment. He, he, he usually like gives me leads and then he has stuff and I'll list it for him for free. And then I'll, I'll, I'll PayPal him the money and I, I was PayPaling him all these sales. And then he, I got this weird text, like, what email did you send that to? And I'm like, uh Oh, like, did I spend the whole year sending a bunch of money to the wrong account? And so he ended up finding it and it was his old Yahoo account. And I'm like, who uses Yahoo? I'm, I know there's a lot of people on here that still do not. I'm not trying to, you know, throw shade at anybody. So yeah, get on Google. Get on, get on Gmail. Let them let them be able to sur- do surveillance on everything that you ever type. Yeah. Okay. Um. Sounding a little bit like Ed Snowden in there. All right. Uh. Okay. Last of all, uh, two things. I already said two things, but for some reason, did I mention this on podcast that like SAS shoes, San Antonio shoes are are like Bonanza's pulling them. They're saying it's a violation. Hmm. And I'm wondering if that's going to be a viral thing because I've had a couple people DM me that they're being viraled. So. Be aware of that. The sad thing is, I'll share this later on, but it is my bolo too. So I'll talk about that in a moment. The last thing is, I've noticed lately when I go to the post office and I drop stuff off on Saturdays, they're not getting scanned on Saturdays. Yeah, I have. I bought something online um, on Saturday or maybe I brought it like Friday night. And so it, it got shipped. I got like the uh, the confirmation and... I checked all day Saturday, no movement on it. I've been checking all day because, you know, sometimes you, you buy something. If it's not on Amazon, but you buy through another company, it's always weird. She's like, when is it going to get to me? Yeah. How fast is shipping going to be? And I really want this item. And so I'm like watching. And yeah, it's through USPS. 
and it still looks like it's just been accepted at the original place. And I'm like, it's, it's been all Saturday and now Monday and it's still showing an accepted there. Like, please tell me this is on its way and just hasn't been scanned. And no, it, it just it was, it, it was probably sitting there till Monday. Jeez. So now this is super anecdotal. I have no data. I have no research, but the reason this came up, I, I got a message on Monday, this past Monday. And somebody's like, Hey, uh, when, when are you going to ship out this, this jacket? I'm like, what, what, what do you mean? Like, I didn't message him. What do you mean? But I'm like, in my head, I'm like, what do you mean? So I look and I remember, cause I, I busted it to the post office like five minutes before, put it in the box. And you know, the guy's like, yeah, I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. And I look on my eBay tracking on Monday and it's just like shipping label created. I'm mm. like, oh, that, that, that means nothing. That means I printed out. We didn't accept it or whatever that. Yeah, means. I was going to yeah. show you this right now. So like, this is the item I, I got. You can see the date here. Maybe I'm reading this wrong because yeah. usually I'm the one sending stuff. So I don't see the tracking side from their end. But accepted September 26th, right? At, at 1235. Shipment received. Package acceptance pending. What yeah. What does that even mean? So that means, that means, well, I know for me, this is what it meant. I, 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 I at first I was freaking out. I was wondering if I did the package switcheroo. Where I put the wrong labels, or you know, or maybe I forgot a label. But then I'm thinking, the next time the post office is going to scan things isn't until Monday, right? And it's not going to be till the end of the day. And I went to my local post, which actually our local post office is super reliable these days. They're scanning everything, so just heads up, Mike. And I, I had I mentioned the story, and they said, "Yeah, I'm guessing that location." doesn't scan anything anymore on Saturdays until Monday evening. So I had to message the buyer and I said, Hey, sorry, I usually ship on Saturday. So it'll get there Monday because priority, right? And usually it does it pretty quick. And so this buyer didn't get their item until Thursday. That, that's terrible. Like that is not okay. And all my packages were like that. Anything I dropped off on Saturday. So yeah, I think that's what happened. Now your, your, your item is still saying that and it's past Monday. Yeah. We're like, we're, we're, Late. No, it is Monday. Yeah, we're late Monday. Now. Okay, no, no. So, but this, watch it. I guarantee tomorrow morning you're gonna look at it. and It's gonna say that it's scanned today. So, if you're listening to the podcast, so when you we're say recording scan, this though, on a so Monday. Like, like they they're just now starting to process it. There, correct. Good grief. So that company draw created that label. Either that company created that label on Saturday, and they dropped it off today, which is a Monday when we're recording this podcast, or. They dropped it off at the post office on Saturday and the post office isn't going to scan it until this evening, this Monday evening. Because I looked at all my packages that that happened to and every single one of them, I dropped it off Saturday on time before the cutoff time and they weren't scanned until Monday evening. And I didn't even see that information till Tuesday morning. And this is why I'm glad we have alternatives. Like again, USPS, if it's the cheapest, if it's what we're going to use, you know, they've got a lot of benefits. But man, like, I can't imagine a business being okay with that. Like, as as the person selling it, I can't do that. I can't say like, thanks for uh, thanks for buying this. We're supposed to send in ballot or mail in ballots, so. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not trying to get political, but like, can't even scan in packages. But we're supposed to put the future of our country in in, in mail in ballot. Just saying, just saying. All right. Aside from that, there's an upside to this. So I went to my local post office, which I have a great relationship with. And I said, hey, is there any way I can drop this off with you guys on Saturday? I know you guys are closed on Saturdays. And they're like, sure. 
Yeah, 6 a.m. to noon, just ring the doorbell and we'll we'll accept your packages and we'll scan them. Oh, that's nice. That's and good. So, so it's the, good that they're doing that. I know that we've had some problems here, so it's nice to see because yeah, it's going to be location dependent. But uh, what, what I'm saying is, reach out to your local branch, ask them. Hey, you know, if you see a this is a problem at one of your branches, check out the other branches. Like the, they'll tell you straight up, like, hey, we're too busy, we can't scan it. But maybe you could go to one that's not as busy, and maybe they're able to you know set up something with you as long as within the hours that they're you know, allowed to work. And you can say, Hey, can I just bring my packages to you? Because, you know, my, my customers depend on this. I love, you know, the USPS. I want to support you guys and, and just try to work something out. And so now I have something worked out with this post office. I just show up in early in the morning on Saturdays, if I have packages and I'll drop off with them, they'll scan it there and it'll be on its way. I'll love it. So anyways, all right, it's time for our next segment. Yeah. Yeah. Old school, kicking it old school with their bolo sound effect there uh, because vintage is in. What's your bolo? (laughs) Okay. So (laughs) that was a nice intro. So I don't know what it is, but I cannot keep San Antonio shoes in my inventory. I'm just going to be conservative here longer than a month. Usually they sell within two weeks. And it's the most plain. It's not like anything special. It's usually like a slip-on leather mock, which is, you know, basically a slip-on shoe. It's either a lace-up one. And it's hard because there's no great keywords, right? Usually tripod comfort. I don't know. You know what I'm talking about, those shoes? Right? They're, They're, you know, usually, you know, different parts of the population like wearing these shoes. And for whatever reason, maybe it's because of COVID. Right. They don't want to go out to stores. Right. Because usually it's the older community that wears these shoes. Mm-hmm. And maybe they don't want to go out to the to the SAS store and buy this because of COVID. Or maybe online they don't. Want, I don't know what a reason they're selling right now. It's kind of wild because it's silly because I went to a thrift store on Instagram and I'm like doing the story. And I'm like, yeah, I picked these up and I'm not making a big deal about it. And actually, in one of our videos that I dropped when I was in Colorado, I think. And. You know, I'm like, whatever, I pick these up, bread and butter. Like, you know, you usually want to, you know, show off the really cool stuff, right? This Harley find or this video game. But man, these shoes, they're just, they're selling. For whatever reason, they're selling. So keep an eye, but be aware there may be the possibility of being Vero'd. I don't know. So if I get Vero'd, I'll obviously let you guys know. I just, I think it has something to do with the way people are listing their items. And maybe that's why you're able to sell them so much is because there's not as much competition, right? Like maybe enough people are getting Vero'd that, you know. I, I, I don't know. Like I, I, I try to research it. Here's the hard thing. I wish eBay gave us a list of like real Vero's because they do give you a list. They're like, here's some companies. And it's this huge, like huge list. And a lot of these companies, I sell their stuff all the time. Like Banana Republic, I think is in this list. And, Who's ever been viral for Banana Republic? Yeah. I could be wrong. I don't know if it's on the list, but I'm giving you an example. So I don't know. I'm going to, while you share your bolo, I'm going to look this up and see if it's a Vero. There you go. All right. So my bolo is a, um, I'm assuming they're like military shoes. Um, they're, they're kind of like dress boots and the brand is, and maybe we've talked about this before. I don't remember. I, I know I showed it on a, on a Insta story when I was at a garage sale, but the brand is built right. And it's B-I-L-T-R-I-T-E. Oh, yeah. And um, we had a pair of these that I picked up for $5 at a garage sale when I was on my uh, road trip thrift trip. 
whatever we called it. Um, and I was at a garage sale and I picked them up for like $5 and I had them up for, I think 90 and we kept getting offers. Like, I mean, we got a lot of offers at like 50, a lot at 60. I would say the amount of action we had on these shoes was unprecedented. Like, so you're saying these were built right shoes. Yeah. So usually they're like the, they're heel components. They're not like a shoe brand. Was this like a shoe brand? Like yeah. it was built right. It said it on the tongue, like built right. Yeah, I think so. I'll, I'll, I'll okay. pull it up. But yeah, these were. I mean, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I listed it wrong. But no matter how I did it, um, the the amount of action that I had on these. So these were vintage built rights, black leather military boots. Oh, I'm looking it up right now, and there's some listings like that. So yeah, Orlando is wrong. <laughs> so um, these boots we got like I, I've never experienced so many offers, and a lot of the offers were close. We got a lot of offers at like 40, 50, 60 dollars. And it was insane because I'd say at least three or four times a week we were getting offers on these. So the question was, do we have these marked maybe too high? Or um do we just need to wait for the right buyer because there's so much action on? And eventually we found somebody who picked it up at at the uh at a they gave us an offer at a price we were more, you know, we were happy with the offer they gave us. We ended up making like 80 on them. Um, but look out for these, right? The nice thing with these is. Uh, and one thing to notice with these built rights, for whatever reason in the listings, we noticed that if you they were never laced, you they marked as unlaced, never laced, they sold for more. My wife didn't realize she was taking the pictures of these, so she she laced them to take the pictures, and then started noticing on listings that that they sold for more if you if they were never laced. Um, so we felt kind of silly for lacing them, but um, but keep that keep keep an eye out for these. If you see these built rights, especially if you see them in box, they're not laced. They're worth money. So um, pick them up. Let us know in the comments. I'm, I'm looking at it right now just real quick. And I think it's it's not that they're built right. I think it's a style of boot that you had. Like were the you combat so? boots? Mm, I'll show you. Were they military? They like, were like dress shoes. They're like military dress shoes. I think, I think that's what I think they were like unique. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I think that was the deal. So let me see. Let's look at the bottom. Everybody, everybody's like, what, what, what are they looking at? Because we don't do screen share here. No, the, the logo, the logo. Go back, go back the other way. Yeah, there you go. Right there. Load that up a little bit. Yeah, so I think I think it's the type of shoe you had, Mike. Hmm. I think it's the type of shoe. But usually if there's combat boots, right, or there's some kind of shoes, like it's like Vibram, right? Vibram does very well, right? Merrill shoes or whatever kind of shoes that have Vibram soles usually do pretty well. And I think I think it's I think it's a sole. I think it's the sole components. Hmm. Right. Because you look, there's a bunch of different different shoes and they all say like bill right sole bill right heels and so on so hey well that was the only mark that was on it was built right didn't have any other markings and uh and they sold so i that's fine yeah <laughs> you, can't, you can't lose there so. yeah all right so i during during our discussion there i looked up uh the the whole sas thing and the only information i found is from hopefully future guests of the podcast scavenger life uh on their forum uh they had talked about yeah they see it that there, there's some issues with SAS and Bonanza doing the prohibition, but they, they really, no one know it's not on the Vero list for, for, uh, eBay. Right. So that's kind of, that's kind of concerning, right? Because I just, I don't know. This is one of those things like I wish eBay would just, just throw it out there. Cause I, right now it's called the ver if, you, if you're wondering what Vero is, it's a verified rights program. Right. And you can look up like the brand names. There's a whole list that they give you that there's a whole list that they give you on there. But 
it, it's it's so it's so expansive and you can sell those i mean you i sell these items all the time i'm trying to find the list on here online anyways let us know your thoughts in the comments maybe have a conversation about this on the comments i just with the vero thing i mean i've had listen i had a hat from a local store in san diego it wasn't like a chain and it was like a beach surfing mess trucker hat and i got vero'd so somebody from that local store saw my hat and like reported it to eBay. Isn't that wild? That's what I mean. Like the Vero program is just interesting. Yeah. And it seems interesting to me that a company would not want you selling their stuff. I mean, I, we've talked about it in the past. Like if somebody's retail arbitrage and sending in stuff, um, a big company like Nike wouldn't want like third parties being big sellers of their items because then they don't have control over it. They don't have control over shipment. They don't have control. But when it's the used market, if it's used stuff, it seems very different, right? Like they they shouldn't care if you're not trying to sell it as new because then you're not representing the company and you're basically giving free advertisement to their product. No, agreed. And they're not they're not on the list. I just found the list here of all the all the companies. So if I go in alphabetical order, I'm looking for San Antonio shoes. I find Salt Life Holdings LLC, Salt Works, Santa's Christmas Town, Sanyo Electronics, and then SAP Susan Lowe, Sarah Moon. But look, let's see if we find Banana Republic in here. Right? Am, am I wrong about Banana Republic? Boppy's on here. Have you sold Boppy stuff before? I don't know. Are, are we? It's not time for confession right now. Uh, but a Barcelona Sports Bomb and Mercer Bed Band Band Beyonce. Okay, I am not seeing Banana Republic on here. So I guess you're fine. But like Beachbody, there's Beachbody. I mentioned Beachbody. Like you got to be really careful about Beachbody. Anyways. You can check out this list. Just type in Vero eBay on Google and it's on their, their participants list and it'll give you everything. But I'm telling you, it's just sometimes you'll get Vero and it's not even on the list. So just be careful. There you go. All right. What are you looking forward to, Mike? Um, all right. So this one is more just like uh, personal. We talk a lot about uh, when we do our, our level up reviews, the books we read, um, just improving yourself, right? Whether it's finances, whether it's fitness, whether it's um, work ethic, whether it's negotiation skills. And I have since lockdown, the first like month of lockdown, I kind of let my diet go. I let my fitness go. And and a lot of my discipline kind of went out the window, especially because I was working from home, trying to get in a new routine. And starting in, I think it was like April or May, I was, I went pretty hard on like fitness and pretty decent on my, my nutrition and starting to get more into like disciplined routines, waking up early again, um, doing the different things that I like to do each day. And what I've decided is when I'm doing those things, I feel so much better. Like every aspect of my life gets better when I'm waking up early and I'm working out and I'm eating right. I have better energy. My work as a teacher improves. My reselling improves. My ability to spend quality time with my family improves. So I kind of want to test this out and see like, where is the point of diminishing return, right? So uh, with my fitness, I think I'm kind of like maxed out as far as time and that kind of commitment. But what about nutrition? Uh, my nutrition has been, I would say, maybe a seven or eight out of 10, which going back to like the uh, code, the evaluations, the protocol, uh, that book, um, he didn't use like an out of 10. Uh, right behind yeah, me. That's right behind me. Um, he didn't use like a, a one to 10. I think it was like a one to four rubric. Uh, but my, I would say I've been, I've been doing pretty good. I've been like twos and threes where most people oftentimes on those are like zeros and ones. So I haven't really been getting to those fours. And I want to, what I'm looking forward to is I want to kind of test, I'm going to do like an eight to 12 week 
where I'm just going to go all in on like several disciplines. And of course, I'm going to try and ease into to them. I'm not going to like crash diet or do anything like that. But I want to see where am I going to get the diminishing returns? If I move up from a three to a four on that rubric or try to more often, or if I move from like a seven or eight to like a nine and 10 on most days on my nutrition, on my amount of time I spend reading on all of those things, am I going to see even more improvements with all of those areas of my life? Am I going to see that trickle out to increased discipline and time reselling, even better time with my family, all of those things? Or is there going to be like a, a point where it's like, okay, now I'm spending too much time. I'm actually not getting the return on investment. Uh, and I, I kind of want to test it out. And I want to, we, we talk a lot about knowing your business, right? How much money are you actually making? How much money are you spending? What kind of mileage are you doing and factoring out which products are providing you the most? And you don't have a product or a uh, a tool more powerful than your body and your mind, right? Like these are the things that that you use in every aspect of your life. So I kind of want to find fine tune it all and try and get to a place where I can come back eight weeks from now and say, you know, I did this X, Y, and Z and I went at it hard and here were my results. And either I'm going to keep going or the cutoff point was, you know, right here. And and I know that seems like it doesn't really connect to reselling, but to me it does because it's, it's it inf- impacts all areas of life is waking up at 4.30 as opposed to maybe 4.15 and getting an extra 15 minutes of of reading time or an extra 15 minutes of prepping for my day and planning stuff out and doing my to-do list, right? Where is my cutoff point of the amount of energy I put in versus the return on investment in my life? That's good. No, it's true. I mean, <laughs> the energy you need to even hustle like is all tied into that. So I agree with you. Mine isn't as hardcore as yours. Uh, mine's just the same old, same old. I, I'm trying. I am so trying to get to 2,500 listings, but it's it's just tough. And it's a good thing. I mean, things are selling. I, I just, I got to keep doing more research because we are going to be in Q4. Maybe when this podcast drops is, is Wednesday. No, Wednesday, September 30th still. But October 1st is the very next day. By the way, don't forget your eBay shipping supplies. Use that coupon if you have an eBay store. Yeah. That, that was free advice. Yeah. It's all free though. But <laughs> hey, uh, so what I, I, here's what, here's the thing. Here's what I recognized. I need to organize again. I know I just talked about this a month, but I've been listing so fast. I went into my storage unit the other day and I literally have 50 pairs of shoes that have, they're not in bins. They're just sitting there like in, in their little storage bags that I put them in just sitting there. And I've sold a ton of those shoes and I keep having to like do the search and I'm wasting time. So everything I've been preaching about like the last three months about being organized for Q4, I need to put into action. So I need to get my storage unit all organized and ready for Q4. I, I need to go out there. And I need to scan more. I am, I am looking forward to really profitable Q4, but I have major concerns that the tried and true places I used to source are not going to be this. Like it's going to, there's still money going to be made, but it's going to be really tough. It's going to be really tough. So I'm going to try to, f- go to places that most people won't go to and try to find stuff there because wow, it, it's, it's crazy. 10 listings to 60 listings within a few days. I mean, 60 people on a listing in a few days. That is kind of rough. Yeah. If you go where they won't go, you'll make what they won't make. There you go. That's true. There you go. That That's a new shirt. We're going to make yeah. <laughs> And only like five people will know what that means. So, Hey, and by the way, deadline for the merchant fulfilled is October 14th. So if you haven't, you know, finish that. I need to finish that. I'm probably like five away. 
this year I'm actually not losing money on it though. Like I'm actually making money doing it. Uh, cause last year I was lazy and I just bought a bunch of stuff like three days before with low ranking and I lost money, but I made the deadline. So, Hey, you have a good amount of time to get that done. That's another thing that I'm trying to get accomplished before October 14th. So, hey, hopefully you found this podcast helpful. We had a lot of info, a little bit of controversy here and there. Some things we need your help on in the comments. So looking forward to that. And with that being said, make sure to be real. Be relevant. And be reselling. Peace. Peace. Keep waiting for that one.